Amen. So we get to start a new sermon series if you came in a little bit late. The sermon series is based upon the John Wesleyan way of living. It has three beautiful components, simple rules he calls them, but they're hard rules. There's nothing simple about John Wesley if you've ever read about him. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. So I get to do no harm. I call it the hard one because I can't imagine biblically talking about harm without you being prepared to receive this conversation about harm. Harm is painful. Harm is destructive. Harm is traumatic. Harm is violent. And in our culture this morning, we'll talk a little bit about that history. And we'll also talk about where God wants, I believe, Salem to be and to go in regards of how to do no harm and show that in the St. Louis community. Will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God of grace and mercy, have mercy on us. So many times we cross this path where we have a dialogue with you about that which we are chosen and instructed, and sometimes we use that word commanded to do, and how we hear the beautiful words and how we repeat them and how we think about them. And Lord, help us how we sometimes fail to know the next step. That's why we keep circling back and asking you to have mercy on of us and give us instructions. Love us, God, in our resistance. Love us, God, in our listening. Love us, God, in our doing. We pray all this in your holy, matchless name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Can I get an amen? So I went to the dictionary and I said, don't pretend you know what harm is, Sheila. Harm is injury, deliberate injury, infliction, hurt, pain, trauma. So I go, well, what's the difference between harm and violence? Because we see so much violence in our society now, whether it's media, games, or just being in our neighborhoods. So violence is intentional use of physical force, wherever it's implied or actual. So let me read to you a little bit more of the scriptures so you get a feel for where we're going. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Second commandment. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I think that's a powerful way of saying do not harm one another. And there's consequences when we harm one another. And there's consequences when we allow the harm to happen. 
And that's kind of where I'm going this morning. If I have a tough job of talking about it to you, you have a tough job of listening and saying, that's not me, but it's all of us. We live with it because somehow we've become acclimated to it. Somehow the yellow tape on the six o'clock news just doesn't bother us anymore. That's harm. That's violence. That's what the Christian word is speaking to. Known to most of us of all ages and all stages of life, we know something about harm. Have you ever hurt anybody? Be truthful. Look forward. Nobody sees you. Has someone ever hurt you? Be truthful. Look forward and think about it. So what I found out, and it was so weird, I looked at a statement that said, we've been involved with hurting and harm and trauma since colonization as a country. If you, if you go in, all countries did it, but if you go in and you become part of somebody else's culture and you colonize them, you've taken them by force, there's harm, there's danger, there's hurt, there's property damage, there's death. And yet I look at it and say to myself, so it's been going on that long? And here we are now wondering why we see so much harm in our communities. It's become a way of life, but we can undo that, and especially as Christians. It's our job to undo it. Not mine, not yours, our job. So this is not a pleasant conversation. I have no jokes for you. You're not going to giggle not one time unless you giggle on this. And you've heard this before. It was a rite of passage to have a fight if you went to St. Louis Public Schools when I went to school. Anybody went to public schools? Anybody kind of understand that comment? It was just a thing. I don't know why. Now I understand why. Well, see, I was a runner. If I saw the fight or the fist coming, I got out of there. But my mother would say, where's your sister? And I'd say, she's at school. Uh, there's, a, there's a fight going on. She said, well, why are you here? I said, well, um, she said, get back to that school and don't come home without her. I got indoctrinated about fighting my way out. trying to take care of myself and I had to take care of my sister because we had to be together or else I got a whip in both places in the schoolyard and at home so you're free to laugh at that one because you know what that means I went back and tried to figure out how to get through that so somehow culturally if you haven't had a fight with a sorority sister a spouse or ex-spouse there's something very unique about you because most of us had some kind of run in and it's weird do no harm, we think through hurting the other person or getting even. It becomes a way of life, and so it's so acceptable. But we're now engulfed in it. It happens everywhere. People think it's okay to do what you want to do to get your point over, that you're in charge if you're large and forceful. But the Wesleyan way of living, we're reminded, is to do no harm, which is a mental concept which flows through what you do and don't do. It's a model. And if I tell myself, don't do it, Sheila, I don't always say don't do harm because I don't really want to hurt anybody, but I'm like, don't do it. Ignore them. Look off. Don't pay attention. 
Whatever those codes are for you that hold you back from moving forward, that's a transformation model. And that's what this one is this morning. Do no harm. When one practices that model, some people claim that it, it keeps their tongue from going right out after somebody and cutting them up. When you use that model, it holds your behavior into a little safe place until you can calm down. And as parents and grandparents, you've done that a lot when you wanted to kind of swing the belt and you go, oh, you've gone to that place where you held back. It gives you a chance to think, what do I really want to do here? If we do no harm when others disagree with us, if we choose to do no harm when others have a conversation that's hurtful for us, when we choose to do no harm, when there's a dialogue that activates and pushes our button, we find that there is something very godly and special when we have that do no harm model kicking in and holding us back. But do no harm is absent from our society in so many ways. Go out and Google groups and then put hate groups out there. So over 200 of them scrolling. Yes, we have a beautiful constitution that gives us a right to assemble, gives us a right to have a group, it gives us a right to freedom of speech, but somehow all of that has become so powerfully negative that we could get a small or large group and we can lock into a conflict or a concept and we're within our rights. It's real, it's not superficial, it's deep, it's not surface. You and I watch people fight over removing statues out of parks this summer. Those statues represented a war that we're now in all over again. You get me? Amen? You understand what I'm saying? So this is important to do no harm. The real important piece is that we have to take the do no harm out of here and live it every moment intentionally. But I want to do something even greater. I believe this congregation is positioned to do more. I believe that Salem could lead something and could start it right here and now that stops the violence in our community, in our schools, wherever, daycare, nursing homes, homes, the streets, the concept of how to get your point over without hurting somebody needs to come back up. And we're the ones that need to do it. You know why? Because we're the ones that are commanded to bring all people of all nations into the kingdom of God. We can't be doing it if we're ignoring the people that fight. If we're not over there doing that, that's them. It's not me. We can't do what we're commanded to do if we don't get inspired and trained up and equipped to be in relationship with that kind of environment that helps us to be the Christian that stands not just with the breastplate on and the sword and the, and the helmet that we read about, but we do it. I'm encouraged to start a justice ministry at this church in January. I've already said it. 
And I already said one other thing. If I'm the only one that shows up at that meeting, there will be one. It's important. No, we can't change the world, but there's a part of it that we can. I don't want to go and look at my cell phone and see if my house is safe because I've got the technology. I don't want another alarm on my home, my car, my home in the woods or wherever you go for vacation. I don't want to buy another gun to find out, you know, am I positioned in case somebody is an intruder in my life. I don't want to take karate so I can defend myself from someone who's going to assault me. I want to go to the deepest part of the problem. That's people. People who don't have a heart anymore because we're not teaching them they need a heart in this world. And there's a way to work with the heart that'll make things really happen. And then we got to help them make it happen. You know, you can't just say something to your kids like, don't ever smoke a cigarette and then light up a cigarette in front of them, right? If you're going to preach it and teach it, you've got to walk it, not just talk it. Amen? Amen? Even if you don't walk with me in January, you could say amen a little louder. <laughs> Outcomes. Heartbreaking this summer. We all saw it. We're closing out the year. When I saw Charlottesville, I saw people my age in all kinds of groups. And I kept saying, what is going on? I've lost touch. When I saw the shooter in Las Vegas with people sitting under the stars listening to a country western concert, and they're under attack. What is going on? When I see the St. Louis response to the officer Shockley's verdict, and it never stops, and sometimes you get a call and says, let's all go to the mall, let's all meet in the loop, let's all go down to front neck. So what is going on? And where are we, Christians? Where are we? Shouldn't we say something? Or should we just let it keep escalating? No one is going to be in charge of me like that. I'm going to be able to walk out to my car without a security guard. I'm going to be able to go to the shopping center without a police walking me to my car. I'm not going to sit in my house and order everything from groceries to clothing on the internet because I don't want to go out. That's where we're going if we don't speak up. If we don't do something, you ought to be scared because I am. I just read something about millenniums. Let me read it to you. I know you don't want to hear me reading to you this morning. I turned this off and I have to turn it back on. My sister's medication is tied to a song that's probably not appropriate for the sanctuary. <laughs> and it kicked on for a few minutes. But what I found in this article is that the millenniums are the largest living population right now in America, greater than the 76 million baby boomers that's sitting in here now. And they're the ones that have less than any other generation. Jobs, houses, education, cars, they can't live the life that we lived. Our society is not offering them that. So how do they move through life, 30 and 40 years old, saying, 
I can't start a family, I can't get married, I don't have a job, I don't know where I'm gonna sleep, I have 5,000 students that don't have parents at home, don't have coats, don't have clean underwear, have to have a wash machine and dryer in the school, going home to empty homes, perhaps vacant homes, and that generation is a generation that you're gonna walk up and down the street from or hide from. Which one is it gonna be? Do no harm is sweet, but it means we have to make sure we have a world where we don't want harm done to us and we don't do harm to others. Amen? So it's a two-way street. It's hard. We have, to, we have to come together and know a vocabulary. I mean, people are saying white privilege. Some people are saying reverse discrimination. Some people are saying women's rights. Some people are saying gay rights. And where's the church? We have to have an education. We have to lift up what we know and don't know. And yes, it has to be put to an application of life. We have to decide, I believe, as a congregation, what else we're going to do to help in this situation. We do a lot. We're not going to discredit all the things that we continue to do. Pastor Terry has a list of fantastic things we do. But this one is taking over. From the drug scene to the violence scene, it's taking over. And I'm with you. We don't want it to take over. Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. And all of us are made in the same way by the same hands, we breathe the same air from the same God. He gave us life. But he said we can receive endless love and we are to give that love. If we're bringing all men into the kingdom of God, then we're doing well. If we're not, which we're not, we need to find a way to do that. It takes a, a Christian to have confidence. And we're a confident congregation. It takes a Christian with strength that'll walk the path alone or with a group. We are that congregation. We are the congregation that's stationed on solid rock. We don't build our homes on sand, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. We are Christians living in a life that follows the ways of the Holy Spirit. Even at times when we feel weak and defeated and under control, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25. So I went through something that is touching, so some of you hold on to your seat. 1930, many people have written and rewritten this poem. First they came. Think about it. Some of you know it already. You know what I'm going to say. You know how I'm going to read it. First they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I am not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. I didn't speak out because I am not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I am not Jewish. 
And then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak out. We have to speak out for the sick, the incurable, the unemployed, the unemployable, the uneducated, the untrained. We are charged with making them disciples. We got to do it. If we got to go find all 500 of those kids and start preaching to them and stay with them until they graduate from high school so that they can be employable, so that we can set this thing straight, then that's our mission. If that's not our mission, then what is? But something has to be our mission to show that we are really close to a population that does not steal, cheat, kill, lie, or maim. So we can keep our world the way we enjoy it. In Jesus' name, let me hear you say something. Thank you. You are your brother's keeper. We got to keep them a different way now. The game has changed. We do have to take care of the least of these. It's great mercy to send coats, but I want to do justice. I want to find out where are those 500 parents? Where are they? And what's going on with them? And is there something we can change in their lives to get them back on the track of being their parent? And if there isn't, then what do we do about building a parent for that child? It's not enough to send the coats. We are going to go a different direction. If we don't, you'll be listening to your sermons on podcasts because you won't want to come out anymore. And you'll text a message and say, Stephen, that music was so good today. Thank you. Pastor Terry, your sermon was fantastic. Can you send me a copy? Oh, by the way, what's going on with this program and that program? I haven't been in church for a long time. We don't want anyone to push us back. We've come a long way. Let's keep going forward. So now, let me finish up with a couple of things. The FBI reported an 8% increase in murders from 2015 to 2016 in this country. 17,000 people were murdered in 2016. Violent games, violent videos, violent media, violent relationships. We will exact a change. Does the faith that we have ask us for too much? We love Jesus, but, but we choose to be like him in certain moments. No, we're like him all the time. He made it to 33. Anybody in here over 33? All right. Oh, we can keep moving on this. So we don't stop now. We bring healing. We create wholeness. And we create harmony. So I'm going to close this morning with a little tea bag story before we sing our closing hymn. And after I give you the tea bag story, which is very painless, if you'd like to come forward, I would encourage you to come and kneel at the altar. And if you want to write something on the card about what you would like to see us change or what you would think about that would help in this situation, especially along the lines of harm or to be harmed, 
I'd love to have that information. It would help me to figure out how to design or get ready for January. I might be sitting there by myself with all these cards, but that's okay. But I need you to think about it. And I need you to come forward. I need to see you and know you or with me in spirit if you can't be with me physically. So here's a teabag story. Thanks, Stephen. I have a devotional book that said, are you a dipper or a dweller? Some of you might be reading that. You know, we dip our tea bag. Forgive me if some of us do that. Then we wrap it around a spoon, and then we sip the tea. And then there are those who take the tea bag, slam it in the water, and just watch that rich, bold, full flavor come in dark and inviting. The analogy in the book is that when we dwell in Jesus, when we dwell in these words, when we work at projects like Justice Ministry, we dwell with the tea bag in there and get the fullness of Christianity, get the fullness of our God, get the rich flavor of abundant life that he promises us. And he's calling us to do that this morning. So as the music starts, and before we sing, we'll take a few minutes, and I ask you to join me at the altar. Thank you. <laughs>